Dungeons and Drimbus is rated R for rude language, rough violence, and raunchy humor. I do declare, here's what happened previously on Dungeons and Drimbus. After chasing Gary down, the boys visit Greenbarrow, where Gary has a very emotional and tense reunion with his family. Gary speaks to his neighbor Mike, steals his stallion, Megan, and makes a getaway with his family. After saying Millie one too many times, a couple of horses are killed. Monique and Tyronicus head back to her place for the night, and Thomas gives Gary chase on one of Monique's horses. Thomas and Gary have a tense confrontation. Gary kills Thomas's horse and tells him to leave him and his family alone, on threat of death. As the Mog bows ride away, Thomas is left alone to walk back to Eastern Orgay. I do declare, Your Honor is back in session. Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Gary. You take Grizabeth's hand as you mount up on Megan the Stallion and race forward. Calvin clutching to your chest. You see Thomas left behind in the woods, a small bonfire-like fire burning beside him. You try not to look as you race. You race and race and race through the forest of Orgea. A few hours pass and you figure you must be reaching the northern end of the region as the sun begins to rise over the slightly more open, rockier grasslands. The flowers that usually bloom here have all died as a light snow covers the ground in patches. You feel a chilly breeze from the opal coast sweep across the field and your eyelids grow heavy. In fact, you don't quite remember how you got here. It feels like every blink grows longer and longer as you doze off between steering the stallion. Finally, Grizabeth shakes you awake one last time and says, All right, that's it, Gary. We've got to rest. Calvin yawns as he shakes his little head resting on your chest. I'm tired, Daddy. All right, all right. Uh, are we on the road or in, like, forest? Yeah, you guys are following a, a road out. Uh, you've been heading north. All right. Uh, I'm not, I don't suppose you packed much camping supplies. I didn't exactly give you a lot of notice. No, Gary, I, I really just brought clothes and basic necessities. Uh, I don't even think I have any food on me. All right, let's let's turn here on a little bit of the side of the road. Uh, I'm gonna make a campfire and and I'll go find something to, something for us to eat, I guess. How about you get some rest first, Gary? You, you you're tired. It, it it might be dangerous out there. We we can find something to eat in the morning. Or well, it's already kind of morning. In the later morning. Uh, all right, just a few hours, cause I don't want Calvin going hungry. That's fine. That's fine. So we'll pull over to. A little bit off the side. Gary will get off with the family. He's gonna cast create bonfire. Can I know what they both brought? Sure. So you open Calvin's little backpack 
In there you see he has his favorite like pajama onesie. He has a couple of sets of clothes and just lots of his toys. He has his Jeremiah and Yargan and Malachi action figures. And he has his little bins of uh, playable dough. That's, you know, that's kind of what uh, Grizzabeth and him, like, that's their favorite, like, home project. They'll get, like, you know, flour and salt and water or whatever, these ingredients. And they'll kind of make the dough and they'll put colors in it and he'll make little, Um. I mean, yeah, fucking Play-Doh. And... Yeah, he doesn't seem to have much beyond his little items like that. Grizabeth seems to have brought a few more things. She has her own sets of clothing in there. She brought along as much gold as she could carry, which, how much do you have left? All right, I did give Thomas 30. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, they have paid rent since and foods and stuff. Yeah, I'm, I was going to say, I don't know how much they spent when I told them like to get their food trough and all that stuff yeah tell me how much you have and i'll tell you how much they spent okay and then i'll tell you how much she brought currently 90 so she has brought along 55 gold which is what remains from the amount that you had made additionally she's brought one tub of like snacks they're like homemade bars that is usually what she'll give calvin you know whenever you guys go on trips or whatever it is like she always has those ready they're kind of like non-perishable like camping type food so let's say roughly three rations. So if you each wanted to have one meal, you could have one of those. And finally, she has what looks like a little diary of sorts. Okay, what did Grizabeth bring any warm clothes? Actually, you're not seeing much in the way of like very warm clothes. They each have the equivalent of like a light sweater type thing. You know, something you mm-hmm. could wear maybe throughout the fall. But especially if you're heading north towards... Roll a history check for me. 15. So, you said you wanted to go towards the Sunder, right? Yeah. Okay, so the Sunder is actually the entire northern stretch of the entire continent of Old Mauritia. And you know that the vast majority of the Sunder is actually covered in ice slash snow pretty much year-round. And so, based on what they have, you know that you're probably not equipped to be entering the Sunder with the clothing that you have. However, you also know that you are probably at the very least a few days out still. So it's not incredibly pressing, but winter is approaching. You are in the very last week of fall. Snow has begun to fall, and the further north you go, the colder it'll get. Okay. All right, Chris. Look, if you guys want to sleep kind of comfortably, you're going to have to lay down like one piece of clothing and use the backpack as a pillow. Okay, Gary. She goes through Calvin's bag and pulls out his little onesie, and she says, Calvin, honey, come here. And she starts changing him and putting him into... It's a really fuzzy onesie, so she knows that he'll be a little warmer there. She packed a couple of, like, sheets as well, like thin bed sheets that were just easy to carry, weren't too heavy. Oh, perfect. And so she starts stretching those out and maybe some towels to kind of make, like, one big bed almost on the ground. Yeah, that's perfect. That's what I was looking for, yeah. And then... I'm going to be like, hey, give him this. And I, I give Calvin my Ostrogon Snuggie. Aww. And I take off my leather coat that I took from his wardrobe and I give it to Grizabeth. Thank you, Gary. Sweetie, sweetie, you rest. I'll keep watch. All right, just a few hours. You're driving. We, we, we need you awake. <laughs> All right. And then I'm going to snuggle up with Calvin by the fire. And you do so. It takes... A hot second, and Calvin's kind of tossing and turning, and at one point he kind of like puts his head on your chest and he goes, 
guy? Did Grandpa ever take you camping? <sighs> yeah. Yeah, he, yeah, we did camp. Where did he take you camping? Uh, in, in, in the woods. Do you have to poop in the forest? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had to poop in the forest. Was it fun? Sometimes, you know, sometimes there's other things watching you, so it's a little weird. Sometimes you make good money doing it. <laughs> you make some money doing it. What, what happened to Grandpa, Daddy? Uh, Grandpa's... He, um... He he had to go on a long, a long trip, and uh, I had to go to school. So, um... Yeah, he... he he left, but I left too, you know, so he's he's probably out camping right now. What's his name, Daddy? Gramp Grandpa's name is uh is Voltimore. Can you can you tell me bedtime story about Grandpa Voltimore? Uh, why why don't I tell you a different story? Okay. Alright. <clears throat> uh <laughs> Okay. Uh, once upon a time, there was <laughs> age appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> Can't tell about that one. Okay, once upon a time, Daddy went with some friends to Silly Court or Cool Court, and there was a big tower there, and all of a sudden, a giant worm came out from the tower. And glass was breaking. And everybody was all getting riled and upset. They said, that worm is a nuisance. And then the audio fades out as you finally doze off to sleep. Your eyelids fall and you are taken by the inky blackness of a much-needed rest as everything else melts away. You may take a long rest. Awesome. Then... You hear a voice in your head. Although, you don't just hear it. It's kind of your voice? Or it's at least partially coming from you. <laughs> Please, help me. Hey, it's gonna be okay. <laughs> why, why, why won't you let me go? I, I don't know how. I knew, I knew, I was scared of death, <laughs> but I didn't think it would be this. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what, what to do, I don't know how to get, get you out of here. They, they took her, Barry, they took her. There it is. Where'd they take her? They, they, they killed her. You killed me. I I killed you. We're, we're all dead. <laughs> but, but it doesn't end there. <laughs> no. It's so much worse. How, how is it worse? <laughs> Why are they doing that? Why? And you wake up in a sweat. <laughs> Grizabeth has since actually passed out on the ground. She's lying there, snoring. And you go to push some of the hair out of her face. But then you see your hand. Your left hand. It had already turned gray like the rest of you, but your fingers have now grown oddly pointed, almost claw-like. 
The skin has darkened and hardened into an almost plastically coagulated black. And I look at the other hand. The other hand is still your hand, but gray. (laughs) I pinch myself. You pinch yourself and you feel it. No, no, no. I look through Grizabeth's stuff for gloves. You start searching through Grizabeth's stuff, and she begins to wake up a little bit. She goes, oh, Gary, I'm sorry. I just... Oh, I was so tired. Oh, it's, it's all right, sweetheart. It's nothing. Don't worry. Roll a sleight of hand for me to see how quickly you can slide these on before Grizabeth notices. Well, that's a 12. <laughs> Natural 20. <laughs> God, why can't I get these rolls when I'm playing, huh? You go to slip on the glove, but it's a little bit too small because you have since grown a little bit bigger after the incident. Like, you've, you've been a little bit stronger and, and larger, and Grizabeth was already smaller than you as is, so you can't quite fit your hand in, especially as the fingers have, like, fattened and curved a little bit. So Grizabeth sees you trying to slide these gloves on, and she goes, Gary, what happened to your hand? <sighs> just woke up this is what i was telling you i there's some 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 beings inside of me and i'm getting taken over from the inside out and we need to find a wizard or something because i didn't think it could get worse but look oh my god and she takes your hand in hers and kind of runs her fingers over it as she rubs her hand over yours, it's almost like you even feel a little bit less through that hand. Like, your sensation's not as sensitive as it usually is. No wonder you said I got taller. The transformation is still... still taking place. Transformation into what, Gary? I don't, I don't know. I, I don't remember him having claws. I mean, is this what a were-goblin is? <laughs> I don't know. Or oh, whatever's going on. We're gonna get you help, Gary. Yeah, we gotta find some kind of wizard. There's, there's gotta be, I don't know, a, a cleric somewhere that, that can tell us what's going on, something like that. Beth, I'm scared. What if, what if we're too late and I take over and I don't keep hey, my mind hey, anymore? Hey, hey, hey. And she grabs your, your face in her hands and she says, There's nothing to be scared of. I'm here. You're here, Calvin's here. Nothing's gonna stop us. But how long till I'm not here? Beth, if if I lose my mind, you guys are gonna be in even more danger. If I know anything about the man I married, is that he is too goddamn hard-headed to lose his mind. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, and he fists, smacks his palm I don't know how to describe it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Makes a fist that he slams into the palm of his other hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, all right. There's no time to lose. I feel rested except for that fucking nightmare. I've got a claw hand that probably does a lot of damage. And uh, you know what? We'll make this work. At this point, it's probably like early afternoon as the sun seems to be pretty high in the sky. Calvin begins to yawn and stretch. He blinks sleepily and smiles a big goofy smile at you and he says, Good morning. Morning, buddy. Uh, daddy? Yeah. From behind you, you hear a loud, standing about 15 feet away from you, you see a large brown bear as Calvin points. She seems thin and hungry. 
with slobber dripping down from her big, drooping lip, exposing her gnarled yellow teeth as she snarls at you and begins to run. Roll for initiative. 17. All right, Gary. You're up first. There is a brown bear charging at you. What are you doing? Get back, everybody. Breakfast is coming up. (laughs) And then he's going to grab the scimitar and shield he has and lunge right at the bear. Okay, the bear runs at you and you run right back at it. Roll an attack for me. A critical fail. Ooh, okay. You lunge at the bear. However, it is already taking a swipe at you. And you are actually going to drop your scimitar as it manages to swipe at your wrist. You're actually going to have to spend a turn picking it up. At this point, you are now in close quarters with the bear. You see Grizabeth shields Calvin and she says, Calvin, honey, come on. And she picks him up and starts running uh, in the opposite direction. She says, Gary, follow us. Uh, 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 Do something. I get two attacks now. So I will actually cast ice knife because that is an attack Ooh, okay so when <laughs> you drop the scimitar that same hand will like with the snow flurries slowly falling as winter is edging over the corner oh ice knife will form in his hand and then he will fire it into the bear's nose roll that for me damn this is such a sick combo of classes <laughs> all right well i got a 23 that definitely hits roll for damage on a hit, target takes 1d10 piercing damage. Hit or miss, the shard then explodes the target, and each creature within 5 feet of it must succeed on dexterity saving throw or take 2d6 cold damage. Wow. It gets a 15 on the dexterity saving throw. That should beat my DC. Yeah. Okay. Ugh. So then that's only 3 damage from the ice knife. So Grizabeth picks up Calvin and starts running. The brown bear has just swiped the scimitar out of your hand. You've dropped it. It goes to take a second swipe at you, and you take those flurries of snow in the air. They kind of start swirling around in the palm of your hand as you conjure more ice into this big, uh, essentially extra sharpened icicle, and you shoot it forward into the bear's paw as it goes to uh, swipe at you, and it pierces in, doing three damage. It lets out a... And then it is going to rear up on both legs, attempt a second swipe at you. Does a 17 hit you? Nope. Oh my, okay, so it has just taken that damage, it rears up, it swipes down at you, you dodge out of the way. It then lifts its two hind legs in the air as it swivels around to face you again, and is going to go for a bite. Does a 24 hit you? Yes. You are going to take eight piercing damage as it manages to grab a hold of your bicep, uh, the arm that dropped the scimitar, and it pierces into it and kind of latches onto you like an attack dog. It is your turn. I'm going to run to pick up my scimitar, so I guess he'll, like, with his shield, bash him off, not for damage, just to get him to loosen his grip. And then, yeah, he'll run for the scimitar, and then I'll use my bonus action to hide. Okay, nimble escape. You can take the disengage or hide action as a bonus action on each of your turns. When you damage a creature with an attack or a spell and the creature's size is larger than yours... Oh! Look at that. Fury of the Small. When you damage a creature with an attack or a spell and the creature's size is larger than yours... You can cause the attacker spell to deal extra damage to this creature. The extra damage equals your level. 
Once you use this trait, you can't use it again. Good. So I didn't use that yet. That's dope. But he is larger than me. So. Yeah, it definitely is. That's wild. Awesome. So yeah, he went to grab the scimitar and then I guess get behind a small mound of... Is, is there snow or it's not really that much? It's a very, very light snow, but you kind of know that you're somewhere around the border of Orgea and the Opal Coast, mostly because there's not as much grass now and you're seeing a lot more like shrubbery and rocks. So you see a, not a huge boulder, but a, a goblin-sized boulder at the very least that you can kind of hide behind if you so choose. Yeah, so that's what he'll do with his bonus action. So roll that stealth check for me. Ooh, eight. It gets a 13, so it seems to be trained on you still. So you bash the top of the bear's head with your shield. It loosens has its grip just enough for you to slide out. You hear Calvin screaming, Daddy! As you pick up the scimitar and then run and kind of slide over the boulder, like sliding over the hood of a car in an action movie, and take cover behind it. However, the bear is going to come roaring at you. <laughs> As it comes around and over the rock, it is going to try and bash one claw over it. Does a 21 hit. Yes. Oof. You're going to take 11 slashing damage because the bear's chasing right behind you. It's almost in lockstep. Right as you sit with your back up against the rock, the bear's claws manage to come down to about your chest and drag up toward your shoulder. Yeah. Uh, it is then going to attempt to make a bite at you. Uh, oh my god, another 21. So, oh, oh my god. Gary, how many hit points do you have left? 50. Oh, okay, gosh. I'm not that weird then. Okay, as you take 12 points of damage, it has just slashed across your chest and then is going to take a bite of the opposite shoulder, your left shoulder, as your back is up against the rock. And you hear Grizabeth screaming, Oh God, Gary, he's gonna die! <laughs> it is your turn. She's talking about the bear? No, she, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> okay, time to retaliate with the scimitar I picked up. A dirty 20. That definitely hits roll for damage. Come on, get there. Nice, 10. Ooh, okay. It feels it, yep. It has its claws up on, like, the top of the boulder, and its head, like, craning down to bite at you since you're on the other side. You take that scimitar that's in your hand, and you slash it, and you slash it across the eye. And you see blood begin to drip down its face. Can I use my Fury of the Small on that attack? Yes, you can. When you damage a creature with an attack or a spell and the creature size is larger than yours, you can cause the attacker spell to deal extra damage to the creature. The extra damage equals your level. I'm level 7 right now. Okay, so you activate this Fury of the Small. I, I guess just you're pissed, man. You're pissed that this bear's attacking you. You are fighting for your life. You are a small, you know, you're under four feet. This is a big bear. Skinny and hungry as she is, she's still a large beast. And as that scimitar kind of drags across the face, you like dig it in a little bit further. And you almost feel it like it probably nicking at the bone of the nose uh, as you drag it out of the flesh. Now I will attack it again with a scimitar. Okay. Oof, but this time is only 10. That does not hit. So, you have just slashed it across the face. You go to take another swing at the back of its neck while it's down on the boulder, but it rears up in pain as it lets out a roar, and your scimitar just barely misses it and plashes into the stone. At this point, Grizabeth 
is going to put Calvin down behind a dead tree, and she is going to run in and say, You leave my bear bear alone, you bear bear! And is going to throw a pebble at the bear, <laughs> and just barely misses, as you see a little rock go <laughs> past the bear. <laughs> at this point, the bear is going to go ahead and try and attack you again. Uh, it is going to come at you first with the bite. Ooh, it terribly misses as uh, the blood is dripping down its face and its eye, its depth perception is a little off. It tries to like sneak around the rock to take a, like, a, a quick bite at you, and it's just off, and it kind of crashes its nose into the boulder. <laughs> and then it's going to finish running around the boulder and take a regular claw swipe at you. Does a 20 hit you? No. Good God, you're insane. And it swipes its claw at you, and you manage to just barely duck. Like, you're sitting upright with your butt on the ground, you slouch, and the claws kind of slash at the rock above you. Your turn. Get him, Daddy, get him! (laughs) I'm going to activate a rage, and yeah, I'm going to attack with a scimitar. Okay, go for it. Oh my God. 11. Hits. Just barely hits. Give, roll for damage and give it. Oh, it hit? That hit? Yep. Oh my god. Okay, here we go. 1d6 plus 5. That is 9 damage with a scimitar. Describe this hit. This bear is on death's door. This is a palpable hit, so make it nasty. Oh, uh, yeah. So as he's swiping at me from over the rock on a good dodge from his swipes and bites Gary will slash uh, right at the throat of the bear and you do so you carve into the flesh you go through the fur into the fats and you see it begin to lose massive amounts of blood through the neck <laughs> as it drips down onto the floor some of it because you're kind of under it like it is now in front of you like the rock isn't really keeping distance between the two of you but it is just slashed over your head so you're kind of under it and some of that blood actually pours down onto you uh, as you slash its throat, but do you get a second attack still? I do get a second. Okay, it is looking weak. It is looking like it's growing tired of this fight. Go ahead and roll that second attack. <laughs> Ten. Okay, and you just barely miss. You kind of go back for the throat again to take the killing blow, and it, like, falls on the ground and rolls out of the way. It does dodge the hit, but it is looking weak. It is looking like it does not have much fight in it left. Uh, This brings us around to Grizabeth, who is going to throw another pebble at the bear. Critical failure. She takes one point of damage. (laughs) She, she like, winds up too much and, like, thwaps herself in the back of the head with the rock. Now it is the brown bear's turn, and the brown bear is actually going to attempt to escape. It is going to dash. Its speed is 40 feet. It is running 80 feet away from you as it is bleeding, leaving a trail of blood behind. Okay, my speed is also 40 feet, so if I dash, I can make it to it. So I'll probably do that. Okay, you run up with the bear. Like I said, it's limping, so... It's taking a lot of effort because it's still a bear, but you manage to keep pace with it. Surprisingly so. At this point, Calvin's like cheering from behind the tree. He goes, yeah, Dad, get him! <laughs> Kick his butt! You afraid of me now, bear? Huh? <laughs> Grizabeth, uh, at this point, seems to have given up on the idea of throwing the pebbles from 80 feet away. The bear is actually going to swipe at you again. Oh my god, I keep rolling really well. Uh, 21 hits. Yeah. Okay. You take 8 slashing damage as it kind of 
claws at your back and then is going to use its movement to run another 40 feet ahead. So I'll move 40 feet and attack. Okay. Because I have the same speed as the bear. Oh my god. That's 11, so that barely Yep, hits. you barely land a hit. <laughs> Jesus. Well damage? It's going to be like a 1. Yep, so 6 damage. Describe how you kill this bear. Ah, <sighs> Okay. The bear swiped at me, so it spun me around, but I keep spinning to uh, <laughs> slash it into right into the bear's maw. Like. All right, yeah. The, the bear's kind of running away. You spin around, keep chasing it, and it turns to look back at you, and right as it does, you're drawing the scimitar up and across, and you manage to bury it into its kind of jowl. You feel it crunch through that joint in the jaw. You feel the bone crack and you keep pushing as it goes through the mouth and out the other side of the jaw, just completely severing the mandible. It drops open. It begins to kind of choke on its own blood between the slash of the throat, the now severed jaw. And it falls over. Dead. pretty funny man it's called like dungeons and trimbus or something i don't know i'm kind of half-baked this this is the halftime ad with nikki b oh what's that a gary centric episode I told you we were doing three campaigns this season, but you, you didn't believe me. You didn't believe good old Nikki B. B for the best. All right, the best campaign. Papa Gary on the road with the fam. What could be better? Oh, I don't know, maybe a heartwarming parenting session about the joys of life? A.K.A. Dice. Oh, Gary. <laughs> Daddy? Oh. What are you doing? Uh, 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 Mommy and Daddy are just playing a special game, Cal. I want to play. Uh, maybe you can play when you're older. Oh. Gary, do you think he's old enough? Uh, I don't know, Grizz. It feels a little inappropriate to let our child in on... The pride of King's free adventure included with purchases from OnlyCrits.com. Well, okay, Cal, but you listen to me. The dice life is a difficult path to tread. And once you're in, you'll never get out. <laughs> but that's okay, because my friends over at OnlyCrits.com have mystery dice subscriptions. So my uh, crippling financial addiction can stay fed. Oh, but Gary, don't forget using code DRIMBIS gets you 10% off. Keeping your math stones nice and accessible. So, can I play? Yeah, get in here, Cal. Oh, oh, my God. Look at that.
So yeah, how much more of a sale do you need? That's 10% off with code DRIMBUS. That's DRIMBUS. You help the show out, and Only Crits includes free adventures with every purchase to give you an excuse to keep using and buying those sweet, sweet dice. So go get you some dice and tell them thanks for supporting the show. You know who else supports the show, gets exclusive merch and bonus content like our series Back to Basics while we're playing through Lost Minds of Fandelver? The elite group of Drimbus patrons over at patreon.com slash Drimbus. This is The Elite. Jerry Benetados, Queso Loco, Victoria Madrid, Greta and Benet, Alejandro Lopez, Ace Andrews, Thomas Murphy, Emrys Craig, Regina Russell, Morgan Holly, Salty, Adrian Bundy, Sam Olivos, Jordan Cobb, The Unnamed Rogue, John Gillette, Chloe G, Con Air on DVD, NB Star, Stevie B Keys, Doubtful Guest, Michael Richters, Davis Walden, and Fina Moonstrider. What are you still doing here? You got the Mogbile adventures going on out there. Go check it out. At this point, Grizzabeth and Calvin start running up to you. And Calvin goes, That was a totally radical! A really cool dad! <laughs> High five! And he gives you, he raises his little hand. I give, I like, give him my shield hand to <laughs> high five. Yeah, you're covered in blood. And Grizabeth runs up to you and she hugs you and she goes, Gary, are you all right? Yeah, I'm fine. Well, oh my God, he got you pretty good. As she kind of like runs her hands over some of your scratches. Yeah, my, my friends would have been dead by now, but <laughs> they're no goblins, am I right? Oh, Gary, how are you so good at that? Like I said, Grizzabeth, I think it could be, well, there's also other things, but I think that it's this uh, event I told you about. It was a little scary. This, that's the world, Grizzabeth, you know, that's how, what things are turning into. Good God. It's not pretty. But look, we got some meat now, and we got furs. Let's take them back to the campfire, or I can make another one here, it's fine, just we gotta get our stuff. Bye. Calvin grabs the bear by the paw and tries to drag it and, like, falls down. <laughs> Gary, I'll, I'll I'll go grab our stuff. You you do what you gotta do. All right. And Gary begins uh, skinning the bear. Okay, roll a survival check for me to see how good a job you do. It's kind of difficult. Okay. Seven. Ooh. You begin skinning the bear, and you do not do a great job of it. You kind of nick the fur in one too many places. And it doesn't really come off cleanly, so you get a bunch of, like, scraps, essentially. You do manage to get one chunk that is, like, nice and clean. Probably enough for, like, a blanket or, like, one cloak. You get me? Definitely not enough if you're hoping to make, like, little wraps for everyone. Mm -hmm. You kind of got to choose one. And then you get little little scraps that you can maybe tuck into some boots if you were to get some. You know, that sort of thing. And while you're cutting up the meat you actually nick one of the organs and kind of bile gets everywhere and you lose a lot of the meat but you do get a couple of good fillets and chunks off of the legs and the side of the body that's facing up that didn't get tainted so i'm gonna say that you have like one day's worth of like comfortable meals off of the bear that's breakfast lunch and dinner come on carrie this (sighs) I should have paid attention more. All right. Uh, 
<laughs> At this point, Grizabeth is trotting up on top of Megan with all of your stuff kind of packed up. Okay. Daddy! I really fucked it up. Daddy, uh, who taught you? Yeah. Whoa, that's a bad word. <laughs> Daddy, who taught you Who taught you how to do the bear stuff? I want to come back cut the bear. Uh, I was going to show you, but I, I forgot myself. And uh, it's, okay. it's been a long time since, since I did that. So, uh, anyway... I got a little blanket here I tried to make, and uh, I got some meat to cook over the bonfire, so we have some, some you know, to fill our stomachs, but yeah, I'm sorry, Cal. I, it's been a long time since I've done this kind of thing. It's okay. I like the blanket. And he grabs it, and he wraps himself in it. He says, it's my new favorite blanket. Okay. Because you made it. <laughs> I'm going to give Calvin a, a hug. Yeah, he hugs her back, and, and he says, Dad, will you... Will you teach me how to fight like you? When you're older, of course. That's exactly what I plan to do. Uh, we'll, we'll see about that, Cal. Um, all right. I don't know how we can go about cooking this. Do we have to put it on a stick? Uh, you know, you have a scimitar. Maybe just stab it on the end, make a little kebab. All right. Let's do that. So I, I start, like, skewering meats to cook <laughs> yeah. and feed the family from my scimitar. They take a bite off of the yeah. off the sword. Each it's <laughs> like a... Have you ever seen the videos of Salt Bay's restaurant where he, like, puts it on the knife and he, like, feeds it to you? <laughs> no. <laughs> but sure, I'll do it like that. Okay. You guys spend roughly the next two hours or so doing that between cooking and eating and yada, 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 all of that and... But you do that, and um, I guess this will kind of count as a short rest. Okay, cool. I do need that shit. Great. And so you guys eat, and you rest up a little bit for a couple of hours. Grizabeth helps kind of wrap some of your wounds using a couple of the, the strips of the bear that you've just killed. And she dresses them as best she can, given the circumstances. And by the time you guys are done eating, the sun is beginning to lower in the sky. It was kind of early afternoon. It's been a couple of hours now. It is getting to be late afternoon, if you had to guess, probably like four or five. And she says, So what do you think, Gary? Should we... Right on through the night, or uh, camp it out here, wait till morning? Let's see. Yes, it's... Hmm. It's colder at night. Which one's easier to sleep in? Is it easier to sleep at day or at night? Because it's colder at night. Well, I, I think it's cool regardless at this point. We're basically in winter, so it's not like... It's not going to be scorching hot during the day, and... Well, I mean, it's going to be cold at night regardless, so... All right, if no one's tired, I guess I'm ready to keep going. Daddy. All right, let's pack it up and, and keep going. Okay, and you guys pack up and you get on Megan and you're heading north still? Toward the Sunder. Okay. You venture on and see a couple of run-down road signs at a crossroads. Facing south, the way you came, are two signs. One reads Orgea, the other reads Solstice. Ahead of you, the road diverges toward the east and slightly northwest. The eastern sign reads Opula, and three signs point northwest, reading Brookhaven, Mount Heartland, and the Sunder. At this point, Grizabeth looks at the signs and she says, Gary, do you think maybe we should stop somewhere, try and see if we can find someone who can help you with your condition? Yeah, I'm not sure what's best to do that. Neither do I. I think you know more of the world than I do at this point. Okay. Brookhaven's no longer an option. And Opula's really friggin' expensive, so they won't help me out anyway. Maybe we head toward a town? And, uh, 
See if there's anyone there who can help. Well, what town? I don't know. I mean, there's bound to be more towns along the way. It's a it's a big continent, no? Question is, do we do we make a stop at the cities that we know are there, like Brookhaven and Opula, or do we kind of take our chances and keep heading north and just stop at whatever the first town we find is? I I have no idea what to expect, though. So, Brookhaven, I barely even got a look at, actually. So there could be somebody there, because Opula is too expensive uh, for them to do anything. So, yeah, we could have a look around Brookhaven. Okay, honey, I trust you. So you take the Northwest Road and ride on toward Brookhaven. The road is relatively peaceful as the terrain starts to become slightly more mountainous and covered in thickets of trees in the process of dying. You feel a chill set in your bones as the snow continues to fall and Calvin hugs you tighter. After about an hour or so, you see what appears to be a camp hidden in a small clearing on a hill overlooking the road. I see a what looking over the road? So you're riding along the road and then there's like a little bit of a hill like right above it. And there's a clearing in the trees like right on that hill. And you notice a camp that seems to be hidden up there. I do have dark vision. Can I see anybody? Yeah, roll an investigation for me. That's a 17. Okay, you don't see any people from here. You see what looks like, it's not really a path path, but like, it seems like it's been walked enough that if you were to venture off the road to the left, you can probably make it up the hill pretty quickly, but you don't immediately see any people. There's a camp up ahead, but that could easily be a bandit camp. I don't want to lead us into danger, so... Is it on? Is it in my way to Brookhaven? It's not really in your way. It is overlooking the road, though. So, roll a history check for me. 14. You recognize that this is typical, like, bandit strategy here. You know, what might be called, like, highwaymen kind of type thing. Mm-hmm. Where they'll be on that o- overpass there to kind of ambush people and shake them down on their way through. Ugh. <sighs> Okay, there's a bandit camp up ahead there, I'm pretty sure. Um, what should we do, Gary? You want to kick their butts? <laughs> it's too dangerous. Um, if there's a way I could just, we could just slip past to get to Brookhaven. Okay, um, if I was a better wizard, but I am not. How can we sneak around this? Alright, you know what? You guys are gonna... Oh, shit. God damn it. I don't know if we can go this way. It's too dangerous. Gary, are you sure there are even people up there? I don't see anyone. I, they, they like to wait in an ambush. And I would go, like, you know, take care of that myself. But no, no, Gary, no. Yeah, I don't think we can go this way, Chris. What are the options that we have? Keep going towards the Sunder. You are technically still on the road north towards the Sunder. It hasn't diverged just yet toward Brookhaven. Now, you don't need to stick to a road. You could take your chances, like, in the heavier wilderness. Who knows what's hiding in the woods. How much further do I think uh, Brookhaven is? Roll nature for me. Ten. It's a rough estimate, especially because you actually have traveled these roads before on your way to Brookhaven. It is currently pretty much the middle of the night. You can probably make it to Brookhaven by sunrise. Oof. Okay, I hate to say, but it might be safer to go around through the the trees. I trust you, Gary. Yeah, 
what I'm thinking is they're gonna ambush us if I go down the open road, so we'll go to the trees. As soon as something comes, you know, I'll double, we'll double time it and keep going. All right, how far into the forest are you going? Like, are you just barely skirting around? Or are you, like, going in deep and then coming back out? Yeah, we're going to have to go in deep. Okay. I won't make you roll for it, but I will say it probably adds about an extra hour to your trip. You double back a little bit so that you don't make that much noise near them. You cut in through the trees, and most of them are dead because it's getting to be winter, so it's making a whole bunch of noise. But you do your best to kind of navigate it as quietly as you can on a big black stallion. As uh, the snow is falling, it's actually really quite pretty. And Megan is trying to, like, eat some of the snowflakes and is going, eh, 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 <laughs> like, grabbing them on her tongue as you guys make your way through the woods. And eventually you come out on the other side. It takes you a hot second, but you do eventually manage to find the road again. And you find where it diverges. You see an eastward sign that reads Brookhaven and two northward signs reading Mount Heartland and the Sunder. Mount Heartland? Mm-hmm. Do I know anything about that? Yeah. So Mount Heartland, you know, is this big mountain in the center of the old Mauritian continent. And technically all of the regions, so Orgea, Solstice, the Opal Coast, the Fingers, and the Sunder, they technically all are kind of divided along the mountain. Like the mountain doesn't really belong to any of the regions because based on what side of it you're on, like, the environment is, like, pretty much totally different. Hmm. Do people live on Mount Heartland? Not, like, necessarily on the mountain. Like, it's almost like Mount Everest, you get me? Like, it's not really a, a livable place. There are communities, you know, in the areas around it, technically, but it's not really, like, a city or anything. There are probably small, like, mountain towns around. Uh-huh. Okay. So here's what I'm thinking, Grisabeth. I just don't want to go around somewhere with like I've been before. Yeah. Like Brookhaven. And I'm not exactly positive that there's even someone that can help me there. I have a really good feeling that a mountain town would have some kind of shaman or magic man to help us out. Sure. Maybe. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's more recluse. No one's ever met me there. Like, it seems like people go there to hide anyway. So... I got a good feeling about it. I don't know. Okay, yeah. I trust you, Gary. Just as long as we're not forgetting about it. As long as we're trying to get you the help you need. So let's let's look at this Mount Heartland. I'm sure we'll find a good couple towns maybe that can help us out. And uh, at the same time, we'll stay pretty relatively hidden. You know, no one can really trace us except from when Thomas last saw us. So I think it's a good idea. Okay. And you're right on north toward Mount Heartland. This has been Your Honor. Your Honor features the vocal talents of Nicholas Benetados as Gary Mogbile. The rest of the world is voiced by your DM, Giancarlo Herrera. This episode was edited and sound designed by Giancarlo Herrera. If you'd like to support the show, consider checking out the links in the show notes, or go to patreon.com slash our patrons get access to exclusive perks like our after-the-show show, After the Drimbus, free exclusive merch, bonus series, and the chance to create items for the show or have NPCs named after you. Oh, 
And don't forget to tweet using hashtag Drimbus to be entered to win a free Dungeons & Drimbus sticker. Thank you so much for listening, and I do declare, I'll see you all next week. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Meet Pia Casely, a journalist with a nose for a good story. Do you know who the last person to interview Julie Capsom was? Me. Meet Brenda Bentley, a dogged detective with a case she can't let go. Nobody came closer than I did, and that's why I was kicked off the force. Together, they solve the cold cases no one else can. That's when things got weird. And we haven't even gotten to the torso yet. If they don't kill each other first, that is. Well, you've got another thing coming. You know, I think it's you've got another thing coming. Or perhaps there's something else between them. Well, if the feeling's mutual, call it a mutual feeling. Pardon. A podcast about crime, romance, and everything else. Season 1 and 2 now available. Brought to you by Wayface Industries. The good people.